Please turn in your New Testaments to Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 37. Uh, we will be leaving for Africa right after this service. Uh, we pray for connections and protection, and especially because, pray for me, John Norton is going with me, so y'all please pray for me. Can't wait to uh, journey with John. I was sitting over in a corner working on my sermon, our, our two daughters were home and, and our home, and one of them said, hey dad, what are you doing, what are you, what are you studying? I said, well, I've got two sermons going here, I've got the, the Highland Sermon and the Africa Sermon. This is the sermon I'm going to be uh, preaching at graduation in Malawi at African Bible College, and she said, dad, can I make a suggestion, why don't you just give us the African Sermon? So we're going to get the African sermon. So we're going to have a little missions feel just even in what we're doing this morning. And uh, I, I will uh, read the, the text and we're gonna, I'm just going to cut through the today. This is a great day in your life and you're graduating. I'm going to cut through all that, okay? And we get right to the two questions. But this is the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Fear not, little flock, for the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that will not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they can open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. And I'd like to ask two crucial questions from this text that Jesus is generating for our lives this morning, and they simply are, what is the greatest thing that you've ever been given? And secondly, what will you do with it? Let's begin with what is the greatest thing that we've ever been given. Uh, Jesus begins in Luke 12 with helping us understand what that's not. It's actually not graduation from college. Uh, it's not any one thing it's not anything we have it's not anything we want and we struggle with these things in our culture and things are fine things are kind of neutral but focusing on things jesus teaches us is not worth your life and focusing on people in the sense of just what you can get out of them either and that's kind of a thing that we get from people they become really more wearisome and burdensome in the long haul than a blessing. Listen to the words of Jesus. And let's just back it up 10 verses to Luke 12, 22. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Your life is more than food. And your body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, the birds. They, they neither sow nor reap. They don't have storehouses or barns. And yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you 
than birds. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? If then you are not able to do such a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for the pagans, the nations of the world, seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus says that the greatest thing that we have been given is the kingdom. And when we live as those who are loved by the king and live in light of the kingdom, fear actually diminishes in our lives. Hear Jesus' words in our text. Fear not, little flock, for the Lord, your Father, has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, what is God's kingdom? If that's the greatest thing we've ever been given. God's kingdom is simply his expanding reign and rule on earth as he personally reigns in the hearts and lives of people. It is how God is taking the real estate of Satan and making it his. He is pushing the boundaries by his mighty power and in his reign. And it's, Jesus is saying, if you have a relationship with God through me, and, and if you have the kingdom, that's more important than anything that you can have. That's better than silver. It is better than gold or anything. And I want you to notice a few things. Not only that living for the kingdom diminishes fear and all the worry about everything. Notice the sheer joy in the Father to give this. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure. It is your Father's joy. It is your Father's delight. This is what God has for us. It's what He wants for us. And, and it is just His holy, giddy joy and glory that He wants us to live for the kingdom. But notice also that He gives the kingdom to us and he calls us these wonderful words he says fear not little flock isn't that an interesting designation fear not little flock now what does that mean little flock well when you call somebody little maybe sometimes they're diminutive but a lot of times that's a term of infection uh, infection affection pray that we won't get one of those in africa either an infection You know, I, uh, I still call my, my daughters baby girls. Uh, they are 22 and 20 years of age, but they are little girl or baby girl. That, that word little is a term of affection. I know that one, one of them, uh, when she was getting up into about the teen years, one day said to me, why do you call me little? I'm not little anymore. Why do you call me baby? I'm not a baby. I said, because you are my baby. 
because I love you. And frankly, I'm not looking forward to the time when you're not little. And one day you're going to move away and live somewhere else. And Jesus is saying to us, hey, you know, fear not, little flock. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he loves us and he protects us and he leads us. His skill in your life with his hand of graciousness is, is beyond comparison. If we would just live with him and live for him. One scholar put it this way. He said, little lambs can't protect themselves. They can't provide for themselves. They can't manage the cares of daily life. What they can do is live close to the shepherd. Don't you love that? That's our calling, to know Him by His grace. Live close to the shepherd and be His little flock. So what is the greatest thing we've ever been given? Jesus says, it is the kingdom. Fear not, little flock. For your Father has been pleased, is delighted to give you the kingdom. Which leads to that second question. If we were to embrace a relationship with Jesus through God's grace and have the kingdom personally, What are we going to do with it? What will we do with this greatest gift? Uh, These words of Jesus are a real challenge to us to think about our lives today. To think about the fact that he is calling us to be used by God. Yes, to enjoy him, but to glorify him during our time on the stage of history, regardless of your age. God has placed us here at this time. And if you belong to him... God wants to work not only in you, but he wants to work through you and make an impact for the kingdom of God. You know, Christ's little flock at that time actually was little. And you think about it, when Jesus said these words, I mean, there were a lot of people that went to hear him preach, but, you know, one time Jesus said these incredible words of commitment and everybody turned and left him and he said, are y'all going to leave me too? To his you know, close disciples, no. To whom shall we go? Only you have the words of life. So, I mean, when, when Jesus said this, it was a little flock of, of just very ordinary people in, in, in comparison to the wideness of the Gentile world. And when Jesus said this, he would accompany things like this with stuff like, there, it, there's going to be a lot of pressure on your life and there's going to be maybe some deprivation and, and there's going to be some persecution if you will live for the kingdom. It's going to cost you to live for the kingdom. You know, they weren't a societal power block like we imagine Christians are today. I know the Pew study says that Christianity is shrinking. Some of y'all have read that. And that the nuns, the no affiliation are growing. Look, does anybody really believe that 80% of the American population actually has had a relationship with Jesus Christ? and is living for the kingdom? I don't think so. I mean, even those numbers say that the mainline church is shrinking, Catholicism is shrinking, and some other things. But the evangelicalism, Bible-oriented, gospel-oriented Christianity is actually on the rise in, in, in our country. And so, look, we know that it's always been a little flock. We might be little, but we've been given the kingdom. You see that that juxtaposition? little flock kingdom let me tell you something about the kingdom the kingdom of god can't be stopped i didn't say it won't be stopped 
It is our privilege to know God by grace through Jesus. It is our privilege to spend our lives in His service. God's grace empowers kingdom living. That's where it goes. It empowers rest and enjoyment personally, and it empowers a heart for what is on God's heart and for His reign and rule to keep pressing out in this world. No, we're not about something that might succeed. We have been given the kingdom. The the little flock has great purpose. And we are to live in light of this grace, to have the kingdom, and to live in light of the kingdom. And you know what? When we live in light of the kingdom, that can't be thwarted any more than God himself can be thwarted. And you don't believe God can be thwarted? Well, it's his kingdom. God has given each of you that have put your trust in him, skills and talents, Those came from God. And he wants you to use them to his glory. And he wants the kingdom to come through who you are. God's given you relationships. I'm talking about in your families. I'm talking about with people in your extended family, in your neighborhoods, um, you know, where you work. We call them intersections of life and culture. Do you know God wants you to love people in his name? God wants you to show and tell the gospel so that those relationships become a a place where the kingdom comes. God gives you vocations and recreations, all of which can advance the kingdom. Now, Jesus says, if you were to ask, how do we do that? Jesus answers that with two things in this passage. Would you like to know what Jesus says about how we do that? Jesus says, first of all, we need to, to shuck it down. We need to simplify And and things that are not aligned with the kingdom either need to get aligned with it or they need to get gone. These are the words of Jesus. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. And we like to gloss over this. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that can never be exhausted, where thieves don't come near, you don't have to insure it, and moths don't eat it. I mean, isn't that bad to live our whole lives for things that moths can eat in your closet? To live our whole lives for things that get stolen one day? To live our lives for things that are new and shiny now and they're used and dented and beat up later? This is not worth our life. And Jesus says in verse 34, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As C.S. Lewis put it so well our problem is not that we are hard to please our problem is that we are so easily pleased with the baubles and the trinkets of this world we are far too easily pleased and 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 almost ravenous for what is so much less and we settle for less than what god in giving his grace and the kingdom of god personally to us and the ability to actually live for God's glory in God together with other believers. We sell very, very short. It's so much less than what God wants us to have. So if you would live for the kingdom, and if I would live for the kingdom, and I struggle with what you struggle with, I promise, we got to decide where our true treasure actually is. 
So that's the first thing. We've got to streamline. We've got to make some decisions about our, our true treasure. But the second thing Jesus says is that we need to live with a sense that Christ is going to come back soon. Meaning there needs to be some urgency about loving other people, about representing the kingdom of God to other people. Do we have that sense of urgency? And I, I direct you to verse 35 where it says, Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. This is the picture of, of a steward that the master has gone away and he wants to serve the master. He wants to be a good steward. So when the master comes back, he will find that household in order, that household will be ready for the master to come back. But not only serving the master, but this great sense of anticipation. Keep the lamps burning. You know, make sure the welcome mat is out for him. Make sure you're ready. It says keep the lamps burning like folks, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they will immediately open the door for him. Listen to these words. It will be good for those servants whose masters find them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, Jesus says. He will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Practically speaking, what Jesus is saying is the greatest thing we've ever been given is personally the kingdom and to participate and serve in the kingdom of God. And practically, living like there is just a short time is actually a very good way to live. We, you do understand that the return of Christ is imminent, right? And you know, just like preparing to go to Africa, you can't imagine all the things that had to get done. Sometimes when, that, when the time horizon is shorter you actually are able to focus because you know there's not going to be any more time. And that, that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. You know, if you knew that Christ would return in two weeks, would you live your life any different than you're living it now? I think we probably would. We'd probably reflect on the sense of urgency about what our lives could be about uh, during that time. And I will just be honest with you. You know, whether Christ returns or whether we go to him first, you know, um, I'm 53. Either way, y'all, it's a short ride. I mean, you know, my, my, my kids are 20 and 22. One of them's moving away. Trust me, it is a short ride. And we need to live like it is short. And we need to value every day and live out the greatest gift that he's given us, which is the kingdom. Here's where our passage ends. Those who serve God now because they have his love now will one day be served by God and will be given all the fullness at that time that they can't even imagine now. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor even entered into the, the thoughts of man what God has prepared for his servants, for his children. Listen to verse 37. I tell you the truth, in that day, he will dress himself to serve, and he will have them recline at the table, and God will come and wait on them. Remember Jesus in the upper room, wrapped himself in a garment, he got down on his knees, and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. Remember that? And Peter rightly said, no way. 
God incarnate doesn't serve me. I serve God. And remember what Jesus said? No, listen, Peter. Unless I serve you, you have no part with me. Because that is, I I have come to serve and to give. and, And the way of life that I bring is a life of servant. And God himself serves. That we might be set free in the kingdom. And we might serve. And that is an amazing thing. That the one who delights to give us the kingdom will one day give us everything with joy and full delight in a world of love. So let me ask this question. What is your true treasure? I really think that would be a good thing to to discuss. And I think we need to be honest with ourselves. I know we say it's God first, family second, and everything else. But you know, I sometimes get tired of hearing that. Because fundamentally, a lot of times it's just not true. And I think we need to really look at that. Because sometimes in our lives... It really is family first or everything else first. We'll we'll give the benefit of the doubt. It's family first, everything else, and God third. And we need to quit saying that if it's not true. And not just because it's self-deceptive, but it's positively harmful to our children to train them to not seek first the kingdom of God by actually living out something different than what we say. Where is your true treasure What is the greatest gift in your life that you've ever received? Will you live in light of the gift? Will you live in light of the salvation that comes to us through Jesus, in light of sins forgiven, in light of a new life that we get, in light of the eternity and the joy, the rest in Jesus' finished work and the service Because truly God's grace empowers Christian living and our joy will be complete. So, I will tell these graduates, go. Go live in light of the kingdom and you will have a remarkable life that matters eternally. Fear not, little flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Let's pray. Oh Lord, would you help us to see the beauty and the wonder of your grace of the kingdom. And oh God, we pray that that you would tune our hearts. If you've never put your trust in Christ, you've tried to be pleasing to God in your own way, and, and maybe you understand that Christ has done it, it's a gift. And you want to put your trust in the Lord, just pray with me. Lord, I turn from everything that I've called Christianity and I've called religion. I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me on the cross. And thank you that even now I have your kingdom. Even now I'm forgiven. Even now my soul can finally rest. But Lord, many of us have walked with you and, and all of us are prone to wander. And Lord, it's not just that we wander, but it actually begins to affect our lives and the lives of the people we love and the ministry that you've called us to in the world. So God, would you today open hearts? Would you help us to see that the greatest thing we have is the kingdom? Would you give us a desire, a holy passion to align our lives with the kingdom. And Lord, even through ordinary people who 
need you like us. Would you, O oh God, be pleased to affect other people's life with your love and expand your kingdom even through us? We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.